This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked me not to read an ad, so I'm just going to thank them for their constant friendship and support. Enjoy the show. I do my head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hello, welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my friend Maria Ranahan, and she talks to me about her love of her mom and her mom's cooking. Maria comes from a family that is Italian on her mother's side and Irish on her father's, uh, but we spent a decent amount of time unpacking that Italian cooking and the, uh, you know, little idiosyncrasies that she's uh, picked up from her mom along the way of trying to catalog her mom and her grandmother's recipes. So Maria is a woman who has done so much at Cards Against Humanity already, uh, and now in her uh, spare time is trying to kind of do something for herself and for her family to uh, pull all their uh, recipes together. But it definitely doesn't surprise me that Maria is trying to kind of find order and, uh, you know, inspiration in her family in the same way that she has uh, here at Cards Against Humanity, a major project that Maria would talk about at the top of this conversation uh, that she is uh, the organizer of is a science ambassador scholarship where they have one full ride scholarship for a woman in STEM, that's a science or math field uh, every year. Uh, so this is the third year that they'll be able to award the scholarship uh, and Maria goes through all of those applications uh, and we recorded this on the day before they were due so I definitely feel like I got some of her precious time in that whole process if you want to see more about the scholarship uh, you can go to scienceambassadorscholarship.org one of their uh, cards packs uh, puts a lot of money into this fund to be able to send a woman to college so it's not just uh, silly jokes um there's definitely a cause behind a lot of the things that they do at Cards Against Humanity. And another big thing that Maria uh, worked on is uh, their holiday campaign this year, which is called uh, Cards Against Humanity Saves America. So I'd certainly encourage you to look up details about that as well. Um, Because she's just putting uh, help, uh, helping Cards Against Humanity put a lot of good into the world, literally changing uh, people's lives with uh, some of the things that they're in charge of. So it was really lovely to kind of hear some of the inspiration for that in her life and like the background that she came from and swap stories about families and uh it's just a really nice conversation if you like this i would encourage you to check out another chicago podcast co-op show roboism maria has guested with them as well uh part in part to talk about the science ambassador scholarship because i figured that was a good crossover opportunity which i agree with Uh, but mostly it's savannah million and alex cox past guests of mbsing as well talking about their favorite things in a science and AI and uh, robots and some uh, feminism aspects of all of the above as well. It's just a really nice conversation. I've learned a lot about uh, advancing technologies and it's kind of made me keep an eye out for things as well to uh, send their way or uh, think about uh, you know what their thoughts on the matter might be. If you would like to see a live show, you can come on Sunday night, the 17th, to the Beat Kitchen here in Chicago for uh, the Nerdalogs Your Stories. We will have a full cover band. We're in the downstairs space at the Beat Kitchen, and we have invited uh, some of our 
as voted on by listeners and attendees of the show's uh, best speakers of the year. So some of our best storytellers of 2017 will be coming back to tell a story again, one of whom is the aforementioned Savannah Million of the Roboism podcast. So if you'd like to hear Savannah tell another great story, come on out to the Beat Kitchen uh, Sunday night, December 17th at 7 p.m. I think that's about all I have for today. You should definitely support things like the Science Ambassador Scholarship. Uh, Make sure women that you're close to uh, or that you're not close to uh, know that it's a possibility. Obviously, applications just closed for this year, but uh, Maria hopes to continue this whole thing through uh, more growing and more opportunity for women. Uh, And anything that uh i think <laughs> cards aligns with uh, their the places that they deem worthy of donation money always seem to really blow me away so uh i would say start there if you're looking for a place to help make the world better um it's a good resource for that and uh otherwise you know talk to your mom if she's around if you got one um you know ask her something about a thing that she makes that you always like and I definitely agree with Maria that it's going to make you happy and it'll definitely make your mom happy too. Uh, so thank you so much for listening and enjoy this conversation. What were you working on before I got here? So I actually came in the office today because, um, so part of my job at Cars Against Humanity is that I run a scholarship for women in STEM Yeah. Uh, called the Science Ambassador Scholarship and applications close Monday night. Um, and we usually, so this is our third year doing the scholarship, um, and we usually get anywhere from like a thousand to two thousand applicants. Total. Total. And like one thousand nine hundred and ninety of those applications <laughs> come in like the day before <laughs> applications are due, which is today. Um, so I came in to like sort through all of these like procrastinator applications, which like I don't mind doing, but oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's so funny because I'm sure it's only exacerbated by the fact that it's a bunch of young people. Oh, yeah. It's high school kids. And they're all like very cute. It's to apply. You like create a video where you're explaining a STEM topic. So mm-hmm. you're basically like delivering a mini lecture. So I also like come in, watch these videos and then realize like, oh, wow, I studied communications for four years. And like I'm learning more from this 17 year old girl about this topic in science than I have ever known before. So yeah, cool. that's amazing. Yeah. I didn't even really consider the fact that you would watch everything that came across. Cause I've watched a few of the like winning videos and runners ups mm-hmm. and kind of things. And man, they're so good. Like I showed my boss one oh. because I was just like, <laughs> look at this great, uh, uh, you know, lecture on, nanoparticles and like nanotubes and he was like he was blown away by both the you know woman herself and the presentation style like the way that she drew all of the um structures in her video uh seriously like within the sound of our voices go watch some of these videos they're so good these women are so smart and i think it's awesome that yeah. that has to be an aspect of it I know. to just go through all of them to just learn it's honestly delightful because there's like a range of videos right there's some that are like very serious and very lecture style and they're like writing on a whiteboard the entire time and explaining nanotechnology to you mm-hmm. and then there's some where they'll like take a pop song and like rewrite all the lyrics to explain yes. like 
evolution. Yes. And I'm like, this is so cute. Yes. So it's like truly delightful. Uh, it's probably like my favorite project that I'll ever work on. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Just like giving young women in science money to go to school. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I... It's definitely uh, very dear to my heart as well as as a woman who went to school for science. (laughs) Uh, But it's it's really uh, I really didn't consider the the fact that you would get to watch so many of those. Yeah, I think at this point it's going to be like. 7,000 videos? Really? Yeah, I mean, from all three years. Okay, I was going to say total. So that's a great sign. You kind of picked up about 1,000 more each year. Man, wonderful. Yeah, it's a full ride. Um, So we we don't know why we're not getting more applicants, Um, but we're trying really hard this year to kind of like or like do a press push and try to get coverage and stuff but um there are obviously like other things monopolizing news and stuff so (laughs) you don't Uh, say (laughs) so but yeah we're trying to get more applications um hopefully this year we'll get at least three thousand my goal is like increase it by a thousand every year um that's awesome that's it seems like a great goal and i feel like there will be some point where it just gets kind of blown out of the water and that'll be a really nice feeling that's the dream i heard a stat recently that more uh like women and people of color actually do uh major in stem fields than other uh demographics because schooling is (laughs) viewed as not necessarily more important, but it does that make sense? Yeah. Like because of the the weight of trying to really get something out of the experience and like the, yeah. something that will help you in a you know larger picture in a yeah. professional world, uh, it actually is like more common uh, to have like lesser represented uh, demographics going into those fields. Honestly, that is amazing. Um, when I was in high school, I applied to my, this is the worst and best story that I I tell us all the time. When I was in high school, I applied to a scholarship, like my hometown's women's club. I was like Streamwood Women's Club. And like my hometown is tiny. It's, it's, it's like a Northwest suburb of Chicago. Um, I applied for this women's club scholarship. It was 500 bucks. It was like to go towards your books at school or whatever. Mm-hmm. I wrote a fantastic essay. I was a huge nerd in high school. I was in all the clubs. I had a great GPA. I was top 10 in my class. And I lost the scholarship to a boy. <gasps> a white boy, a white straight boy who ended up studying civil engineering at the University of Iowa. And they claimed that they wanted to diversify no. the award recipients. No. I'm not kidding you. Maria, that's I, literally I know. a Parks and Rec story. <laughs> Every time I tell this story, someone says that. That's woman of the year. I know. That is my literal life. And I was just so... And there was, so, and even if I didn't get it, there were so many other like great applicants who should have been considered. And they were <sighs> like, you know what? We always give it to a woman. Let's give it to a boy this year. And I, oh, that is infuriating. I know. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I talk about this constantly and I just, because I'm not over it. It's been, I mean, you know, years, but I'm That's a great story I'm. to tell where <laughs> this whole thing is concerned. It's just like, even for things that are meant to be geared for women, women still can't, can't just have out. them. <laughs> Can you just give us one thing? Can you just give me this $500 scholarship <laughs> for my books, please? Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, uh. 
I lost out on a pretty big scholarship uh, to the school that I ended up going to, to a guy that I had dated in no. high school. Yeah. I mean, things ended very, very amicably. Like, we couldn't have been on better terms. Like, we were very much friends. You know, when we saw each other at the school we both ended up going to, it was totally fine. But there was always just this little, like, mm-hmm. flame of, like, frustration because we had so many we went to the same high school so of course we had so many of the same like credentials and like uh you know gpa work and all this stuff so it was just like the the biggest difference between us is that you got a dude for it (laughs) yeah like it was just like so not necessarily a one-to-one but i still was just like that, and he, and it was like a pretty prestigious uh like scholarship from our university so you know his name like got brought up a lot so like every time i was just like Ugh. yeah <laughs> and like losing something never feels good but like losing something one to an ex-boyfriend yeah <laughs> right <laughs> and two to just like a dude is just like yeah. when like on uh, paper we had very very similar yeah. backgrounds uh yeah, yeah it was it was pretty That's frustrating infuriating. yeah <laughs> Well, uh, my guest today is Maria Ranahan, and we'll try not to rail against <laughs> men for the whole rest of this conversation. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I said we'll try. No guarantees. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> Especially because we're going to talk about your mom. Yes. And your family and kind of uh, specifically some cooking traditions. Yes. I'm so excited. Um, I... You know, when um, you had asked me to come on the show, I was like really thinking about what I wanted to talk about. And I have a lot of cool things going on at like work or, um, you know, in that direction and the scholarship. And I love talking about that. But um, I think the one thing that I like really wanted to kind of dive into is uh, a project that I've been working on on the side for the past couple weeks or so um, where I'm trying to catalog all of my mom's and her mom's old recipes. Awesome. Uh, my mom is very Italian. Her mom is very Italian. Or her mom was very Italian. She passed away when I was in, like, fifth grade. Um, but she has all of these, like, really great t- traditions and uh, really get great recipes um, that I've been trying to learn. And I have kind of learned just, like, growing up in her household and in her kitchen, which is, like, the size of the studio. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, I know a lot of it, but... Uh, um, <clears throat> It's difficult. Oh, also, that's not very big. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. For those who wouldn't yeah. realize, that's like this is like the size of my kitchen, yeah. and I live in uh, essentially one bedroom apartment yeah. in Chicago. A Chicago apartment. <laughs> it's very small. Yeah, her kitchen is just like, it's it's beautiful and tiny, and it smells like home. Mm. Um, and so, like, I've grown up there, and I've grown up, you know, learning these recipes. But now I've gotten to the point where I want to make them at my own place, and I want to like record these traditions. And it's been kind of hard because my mom doesn't really have. She has some things written down. She has, like, very treasured recipes that are, like, in her mom's handwriting. Oh. Um, she asked me to laminate those the other day, so I, like, figured out a laminator at the office. <laughs> it was very cute. That's great. <laughs> um, but the thing that's been so difficult, specifically regarding things like her spaghetti gravy, um, is or, like, her zucchini parmesan or stuff like spaghetti that. Spaghetti gravy? Gravy, Yes. Um, this is another thing that I always have to explain. It's actually spaghetti sauce or marinara sauce. So That's, just like your red spaghetti sauce. Yeah. Um, but if you say marinara sauce or spaghetti sauce in our household, she'll lose it. It's gravy. It's only gravy. And it's a very like Chicago Italian thing. Oh, okay. Um, you always say gravy. Oh my But every time gosh. I say it, people are like, like, 
turkey gravy? Yeah. Like, no. I I figured, but I had never heard that before. <laughs> Where I am from, gravy goes on biscuits. <laughs> yep. Yep. Everyone's always so confused when I say that. But no, it's like the red marinara but you can't meat say that. sauce, but you can't say it. I actually, so when I was writing down her, her gravy recipe, which also she was so uncomfortable with too, because she's like, you're not supposed to write it down. <gasps> You're not supposed to. Like, it's no one can have it. But I'm like, mom, how am I going to share this with like we have cousins who want it, my sister and my brother-in-law. I was like, mom, how are we going to share it? And she's like, okay, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, just don't put it online. <laughs> just, exactly. just don't put it online. She. So I, I printed out a draft of the recipe and I gave it to her to edit. And at the top, she just put an asterisk and in huge capital letters, "Do not share, do not post." And I'm like, mom, oh wow, my gosh. That's kind of beautiful. It's very, it's very sweet, but I she's being very generous by like letting me kind of like write these things down. Sure, um, she wants you to just learn them like she did. <laughs> I know. You should get her to make a short video for each one of her <laughs> recipes. That would be so cute. You have three minutes. I need them by December 11th at midnight Central Time. On my board of 70 women who work professionally in Italian cooking. <laughs> oh, oh so cute. I can't help but comment on how cute it is that you say Italian. It's like it's like you don't have a specific accent anywhere else except this one except there. beautiful. Word. <laughs> <laughs> what is so sweet. Um, but anyways, what was that? Okay, the reason why the reason why it's so hard to learn these recipes without writing them down is because my mom measures things, uh, especially for her gravy, with the lines of her hands. So she'll like pour like salt or oregano into her hands, and she'll be like oh, about about like that much. Oh so and then she'll gosh. even use like birthmarks too. She'll be like about like there. Oh I'm like okay, but mom, gosh. theoretically we don't have the same size hands. <laughs> what do I? What does that equate to? Is that a tablespoon? Is it this? Is it that? So we've been going through the last one we did was gravy, and we did it with my sister and my brother-in-law, and we. Um, How many siblings do you have? It's just me and my sister. Okay. Just me and my sis and then the the brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so we we wrote down the recipe and we counted out how much things were, which was really helpful because she and she has like the same pots that my grandma used when she oh was growing up. And so like obviously, you know, if she's used these same dishes her entire life. She just like eyeballs along the side. She just eyeballs it. And yeah. she's been using them for 55, 56 years. Oh so like she doesn't gosh. need to measure them but yeah. and now if i have my own pots or like my sister or my brother-in-law just bought their own stuff they're like well what is it yeah <laughs> what is it you not <laughs> that is so oh man i love that so much yeah. uh what do you is there a specific time uh you can remember like an origin of going like wow my mom is an amazing cook or like oh. i love this food or like whatever do you remember like the first memory of kind of being drawn to this um, I wish I could say like I had always been into it, mm-hmm. but I was like a bratty teenager who, <laughs> as much as I was like a nerd and got good grades, I still loved to like talk back and Ugh, we all were just Maria. be like a, like a like a little shit. I was yeah. just such a and like even now there's still like it's there's still parts of that. Whenever you go home, you kind of like revert back to a teenager uh, for sure. Yeah, it's like I'm an adult. Yeah, well, how am I? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think as I kind of like graduated from college and kind of like moved out into Chicago on my own, I like missed 
that cooking and that mm. that like nostalgia of home became very real for me. Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, it's just been recently. Like, as, so you, did you live at home through school? Uh, no. Okay. No, but I, I do go home a lot. Um, I'm from the suburbs, so like it's very the Chicago suburbs, so it's it's not too far to go home. Yeah. Um, but I think now that I'm just like getting older, I guess I kind of am just like I miss these like very like staples of my childhood. These like ricotta Christmas cookies or these like you know this you know all of the things that just like taste like home. I'm like, all right, I need to I need to learn this. Yeah, I definitely when I moved to Chicago uh, after I finished school had a big like oh, this is the first time in my life that I've had to provide myself with every meal that I'm eating and it's hard to cook for one person. And <laughs> yes. I found myself like texting my mom a lot and I still do. I mean, the other day I was like, mom, I'm going to make mac and cheese in the crock pot. Like what <laughs> recipe would you use? You know? Yeah. One Christmas a few years ago, I just asked my mom for a copy of this uh cookbook that she helped uh she used to do grant writing for a juvenile arbitration board and one wow. year there yeah so she's your mom she, also sounds cool I would she's love to have a conversation amazing with her. and uh you guys would have a lovely conversation <laughs> and uh she one year they did a recipe book as well I guess a cookbook as like a fundraiser and because my mom was so integral in uh, putting it together, almost every like family recipe we have is in it. So she, you know, things from her mom, things from my dad's mom, uh, you know, all these other things that she had kind of gathered over the years were in there. And I knew they were because she referenced it all the time in the years, you know, between when they made it and, and now. And I just was like... Do you have any copies of that cookbook that I could just have? And she gave me hers. <gasps> and it was like, oh. so, she like wrapped her cookbook. Yeah. So it has oh. like her notes in the margins and like things crossed out and corrected. And, and her like spilled like food. Yes, yes. And uh-huh. like little post it notes on the ones she likes the most and stuff. It was really. It's easily the thing that, like, I've done with my mom that has been the most connecting where all this is concerned because it really is all these things we ate when I was growing up, you know, like Mm -hmm. this Captain Soup recipe that she loves and, you know, our family's eggnog recipe. And uh, it's just really nice to be able to consult that whenever I want to. That is so beautiful. There's something about like having things that are passed down mm-hmm. um, that like aren't yours that are in someone else's handwriting that just like like that's the thing that like maybe you'll pass on to your kid one day like for sure ugh, it's too much for me it's for too sure much. so yeah I just had to I definitely had to get that in there because it's I definitely relate to not really connecting with her about it until the you know moving yeah. to Chicago and cooking on my own and yeah. Uh, even more so probably since I, you know, have uh, been dating someone because it's easier to cook yeah, for, for more than more one people. person. <laughs> yep, exactly. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when you make a recipe that has sentimental value to you, you're, like, sharing a piece of yourself with somebody, which in the grander scheme of things is actually the kind of beautiful part about it. Like, if you make – like, I had friends over and we were making these Christmas cookies that I grew up making – 
And I was like, yeah. And like, no one's ever had ricotta cookies before in this group. No. So they're like, you're putting cheese in a cookie. Gross. And then the plate was gone in like five minutes. It and sounds I'm like, so good to me. This is, this is, this is why <clears throat> these things are important because you're, you're sharing, I don't know, what feels like home with people who also feel like home, but weren't there when you were yeah. growing up. So it's the very beautiful. The first year uh, that I came to the Cards Against Humanity New Year's Eve party, it wasn't even at this space yet. It uh, They rented out a space because their other office wasn't big enough for what they wanted to do. And I made uh, my family's eggnog recipe at home that day and uh, shared it with, like, my roommate and a few other people who were coming. And then I brought the rest to the party. And oh. I just, I was really, like, nervous. So I didn't really, like, say anything about it. And it kind of, like... It's better when it's fresh, so I was like, I don't know if it's any good, and I just kind of left it out, and someone found it. I think it might have been Eli, the one of the writers, and he was just like, holy shit, who brought this? <laughs> it is so good, and it's so like boozy, and everyone started trying it and was oh. like, oh my god, MB, this is amazing, and it was like, <laughs> this is my family's egg recipe, we eat it every year at Christmas. <laughs> it's really good. This is the first time I've ever made it, so I'm really happy you guys like it, and it just like meant the world. <laughs> everyone who tried it was like, this is alcoholic clouds. Like, why does this taste so good? <laughs> Did you text your mom immediately? Oh, for mom, sure. Like, hit. I told, I definitely told my family uh that it was like a huge hit and uh and i know and and since then because i'm not there for every christmas now like some years i just go for thanksgiving like yeah. i've been alternating uh for there was at least one year where we made eggnog on thanksgiving <laughs> because i was just like guys we all like eggnog why do we it? only eat it at christmas <laughs> And everyone's like, yeah, why do we only eat it at Christmas? <laughs> that is amazing. I love it. But it was also just partially selfish because I was like, I'm not going to be here at Christmas. We got to make that eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> we have to make it. So I'm on board so for, for these ricotta cookies. I do have to say, you brought us cookies mm -hmm. that you made with your mom yesterday, and yes. I haven't tried one yet. Go for it. These are pastina cookies. They're like lemon, like wafers almost. They're oh, very light. They look so good. Um, we only had yellow sprinkles, which is unfortunate. I like to use <laughs> like, like a very red and bright. green. Yeah, like a red and green. They're like oh. little tea cookies. Oh my God, they're so good. Oh, I'm so glad you like they're them. They're so soft. <laughs> I didn't know what, to, I thought they would be little crisp boys. They're like, they're softies. Just because of how they look, but they're not them. at all. They're so soft. The lemon is like so good and subtle, and I like them so much. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so glad. Mm hmm. These are good. These are really good. They couldn't be softer. It's amazing. They freeze really well, too. Mm, I bet. Freezer. My fiance's mom makes these MM cookies, and the first time I ever spent a holiday with them, he, um, kind of like lost his mind over them. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I was like, they're just, there's regular cookies yeah. with M&M's in them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and which I'm not sure, to, like, but obviously, your cookie obviously taste, I but. did not like say that to him. <laughs> but in my mind, I was like, they're just, they're just cookies that have M&M's. But for him, they're so tied to memories. And this year we uh, tried to make them for the first time. Well, he made them. And he was so happy. Like, Aww. he was just like, these are my mom's M&M cookies. Like, this is it. 
it. Yeah. And uh, since then, we've made them, you know, three or four more times, and we'll take them to uh, little gatherings and stuff like that. And they are really good cookies. Yeah. Like, it's a really good cookie recipe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it does. It's so funny because one of the last times we were with his mom, she was like talking about how she makes toffee on Christmas. And he was like, Mom, you don't make toffee on Christmas. And she was like, yes, I do. You just always want the M&M cookies. So that's always what I have to make. And she got like so <laughs> frustrated with him. And it was so funny. Oh, my God. I love that. Yeah. Oh. It was just like this really sweet little thing. And now we've ended up. Um, oh, but the last time we made them, we didn't want to bake them all at once because we were kind of just making them for ourselves. <laughs> so we put <laughs> we made like a dozen and then put the rest of the dough in the freezer. And we're like, OK, maybe this maybe this will pan out, you know, we'll cut off a, a chunk more and make 12 more. And it was amazing. And now it's like, all we're going to do Ooh. is just like have cookie dough in the freezer. Yes. And yeah. you can like ball it up before you freeze it. So yeah. You can even just like, Oh, just I didn't even think off. about that. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It's like when you make banana bread, you have to peel the bananas before you freeze them. <laughs> Absolutely. Are bad. Cause you, if peeling frozen bananas, is just Can't like do it. a nightmare. I learned that trying to make smoothies as a kid. <laughs> Shut it down. It is it is the literal worst thing that could ever happen. Shut it down. I've had to just cut it off before. Just like cut off the peels yeah. off the sides because they're not just coming like, off. Saw yeah. it. Oh, it's a nightmare. Uh, so are these uh, cookies that you had growing up too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these are, there are like three staple Christmas cookies that I grew up with. Um, these are the pastina cookies, which are like a lemon wafer cookie. Mm-hmm. And then the ricotta cookies, which I cannot shut up about now. <laughs> they sound so good. <laughs> which is just like a very light Christmas cookie that has ricotta cheese in it. And then the other one is a pecan cookie, which is like um, a very thick, dense cookie that's just got a ton of pecans in it. That sounds amazing. I love they're pecans. They're so good. They all just like have so much butter in them. Mm. And they're terrible for you, but I they're that's, delicious. That's the thing you learn about cooking is that everything that you love that tastes super fucking good has an incredible amount of butter in it. Yeah. Like seeing what goes into it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> like when I was a kid and I would eat like 12 of these cookies at once, I was like literally eating a half a pound of butter. Oh, no! <laughs> like that is. Oh. Um, but yeah, so those are like those are like the three staple Christmas cookies that my mom got from her mom. Um, and those recipes like, you know, are handwritten in my grandma's handwriting. Um, and those also have sentimental value to me too, cause I'm named after both of my grandmothers. Oh. Um, so my full name is Maria Louise and <clears throat> Maria is my mom's mom, um, who I have very fond memories of as a child, but she passed away when I was about like 11. Um, and then I'm named after my dad's mom, Louise as well. And she lives in Chicago. And so I see her often. Aww. She's like... 92-year-old who lives by herself and is just, like, oh the most badass woman gosh, I've ever met. Gosh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it, those those recipes do have sentimental, sentimental value to me, too, just because it's, like, I think being named after somebody is never something that I appreciated as a child. Um, I hated the name Maria for some reason. Oh. I, I didn't like it growing up. I was, like, it's too many syllables. Like, you know, why can I be named something cool? Oh, or, my you know, gosh. Um, but now I appreciate it a lot, you know, now I have that kind of connection to this, this woman that I only knew for 10 years, but, um, I'm still like doing stuff today that kind of like is an honor of her. And I, I I really appreciate that. Also like her story too, which is something that I wrote down that I want to 
wanted to share um, really puts things into perspective. I'm sure you have this too with your grandparents. I think everybody does. Um, hearing like a story of what your parents or whomever went through and putting it in comparison to your life. Um, so my grandma came over from Italy. She immigrated when she was 11 on Christmas Day. She came over by herself. Oh, my God. Um, and her dad was here before her, and so she was meeting him. Um, and he was, like, just trying to get citizenship and stuff. And uh, so she came over when she was 11 alone. I, like, I couldn't imagine that. like making, Unfathomable. Making that, like, voyage by herself as a, as a child. Um, but then uh, her name was Maria, obviously, but uh, whomever, whatever person was checking her in um, – at Ellis Island, which is where she came in through, changed her name to Mary on all of her certificates because it was more American. Whoa. So I honestly, as a child too, I knew I was named after her, but I was like, but her name's Mary. I'm not <gasps> Whoa. named after her. But then I realized, I was like, oh no, her birth name, her given name was uh, Maria, which checks out, which I think is like an interesting Man. story. Man, I don't know uh, much about um, my grandparents like a journey here or anything but my I have a a relatively similar story because I uh my mother's name um is Gail but uh through most of my childhood I did not know or realize that her first name is Mary so when she was growing up she was Mary Gail and then kind of as she got older uh I think there was a period where she felt like it was a she wanted to be like more adult, so she just like dropped the Mary. Uh, just goes by Gail, but her mom is Mary Jean, mm-hmm. and uh, Mary Jean's mom was Mary. Oh my god! So, yeah. So uh, as soon as you kind of started talking about that, I was like, mm, relate hard. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Family names are awesome to me, and I would really love uh, if I do have kids of my own to have uh, uh, Mary something. Uh, yeah, and because I think. I really, but similarly, like, I hate when people just call me Mary. I no. hate it. I hate it's it. It's not your name. It's not my name. Not name. And I don't really think it suits me. I, I don't know. Something about it. Maybe it's just because everybody knows me as a Mary Beth. They're like, I don't mind an MB. Like, a lot of people are just taken to call me MBS, which is all fine. But I just don't like just yeah. Mary. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that either. You know, yeah. Like you get to pick yeah. what people call you. You yeah. get to you get to tell them what they get to address you as. Yeah, I yeah. know some people uh, who have like more difficult to pronounce, you know, maybe last names or first names, who will just like let it slide when people mispronounce it. And I'm like, I get that because I'm sure it's exhausting to correct every time. But at the same time, no, you deserve to have people know how to say the thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, do you feel like there were times when you were growing up where uh, you kind of either pushed away trying to learn more about the cooking processes or, you know, were trying to help but didn't really fully like understand the process or yeah I think now I'm also just getting more into like learning about cooking on my own Mm -hmm. um and so not necessarily like just family traditions but like on my own but as a kid like I said like I wasn't necessarily interested in it I just kind of took it for granted that Mm -hmm. these like wonderful traditions were being like built in this this tiny little kitchen 
Um, but I would say that, like, definitely as a teenager, I was, you know, kind of, like, pushing those things away. I feel like every teenager does that, you For know? sure. Um, Do you uh, – I know when I was on study abroad – I spent a couple weeks uh, either like in Italy or uh, I went on a fancy cruise uh, out of Italy. So all the food on it was also Italian. And I was like, huh, it really is all just pasta and pizza, huh? (laughs) (laughs) This is all there is. (laughs) It really just like, I don't know. A lot of carbs. I think you realize that leaving the U.S., there are no other food cultures like ours. Yeah. All the other food cultures, they eat the things that we like yeah. <laughs> assigned, you know, being Italian food. Yeah, that's super interesting to think about. And I think we're, you know, lucky living in Chicago, too, because, mm. like, all of the food options we have around, I mean... I feel ruined for food. Oh, Every for time sure. I travel, I think the food is trash. For sure. <laughs> same. Oh, my God. Same. I mean, obviously, like, Italian food in Italy is unreal. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. I'm talking about going to, like, even New York and L.A. Yeah. It, for restaurants that people will be like, oh, this place is really good. It's like, no. Yeah. This is pales in comparison to things <laughs> that Chicago has to offer. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't think I'll ever be on, like, a level of, like, a fancy restaurant <laughs> chef. Sure. Um, and so, like, I still, like, really like going to these, like, cooler, nicer places mm-hmm. and, like, trying those things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, of course, trying to make, like, a easier version of that in my own kitchen. <laughs> Do you which feel is like- nice. That's awesome. And I totally relate to that as well. Do you feel like when, uh, you know, for family gatherings, is it... Uh, lasagna and like mastacholi or whatever all yep. that like it, that's that you know for a big thanksgiving meal that's the kind of things you guys are eating yeah those are the staples um so my mom's side is the italian side but my dad's side is very irish oh very very irish that's where the ranahan comes Ranahan. Yeah. um i'm like the, that yeah. is like the perfect storm yep. <laughs> like <laughs> italian irish person maria yep. ranahan that's literally that's what it so breaks down funny. to it's also like a very like a classic. I'm like, my family's been in Chicago since forever. And so obviously it's just like a, you An know. Irish and Italian combination yeah. family is like, yeah. okay, get in line. Like, yeah, <laughs> we get it. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> um, and so like the, the Irish side is. Uh, different food wise um, the grandma that I have in Chicago now who's 92 um, she makes very like your your classic like Thanksgiving dinner she's got like the turkey and the stuffing and the the um, you know the broccoli mm-hmm. and the steamed carrots mm-hmm. and you know God forbid this is the also interesting aspect of being uh, into food but also being a vegetarian for 10 years when you were a child <laughs> Maria I like picked up a PETA magazine on accident when I was seven once and just like couldn't oh <laughs> your like, poor oh, parents no <laughs> you know I was like also such a strong-willed kid this is also such an, another like really important aspect is you know from the ages of seven to t- 17 I was not eating any meat oh, and my so gosh. Grandma Ranahan would be so upset. I'd be at her Thanksgiving dinner and I wouldn't eat the turkey and it was just the end of the world. Right. And I was such like a little like rebel. Like, again, I was a little shit. I was just like, no, I'm not going to eat it. Uh, I know you spent, you know, literally literally 12 hours hours (laughs) making this beautiful turkey. And I was like, no, because no, I read that PETA magazine. (laughs) 
I don't know where I got that. <laughs> I don't know who was handing that out to child Maria, but it happened. That's so funny. Yeah. So for 10 years, uh, not eating meat also like impacted my diet too. So like now I still eat a lot of meat and I'm trying to learn how to cook meat more because I, you know, yeah. I never ate it as a kid. And so um, that's been fun too, because now I'm like, I'll honestly try anything once there is not like a specific meal or dish that like I hate. You know how some people are like, I will not eat peas. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm like, I don't really care. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever is, like, in front of me, like, I will try it. And do you find that uh, that's really only been since you started kind of trying to cook more on Mm -hmm. your own? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. For me, it was a lot of that study abroad trip because I would just be in, like, different places and be like, well, I have to eat this. You have to try it. Yeah. It's so funny you say that. That's why I stopped being a vegetarian is I studied abroad um, and I went to Spain and I did a homestay um, with uh, my house mom, who uh, just would not acknowledge that I was a vegetarian. Oh. <laughs> she was like, no, like you're, you're here. And she was right. And I'm so glad it happened because I was like, oh, shit, bacon's really good. Oh, my <laughs> like, gosh. Damn, I like it. Meat is good. Bacon um, is so good. So good. And so I stayed with her for a month and she made these amazing meals with that were very meat centric. Mm hmm. And so I tried everything from like steak to chicken to pork and to like all of the all of the things and I was like, Okay, yeah, I've been missing out. <laughs> I've been missing out. Also it's like crazy how when you eat protein you have more energy. Cause I was the thing is is like being a vegetarian and a vegan is wonderful when you're responsible yes but when you're a 17 or 16 year old child right. who like exclusively wants pizza and goldfish right <laughs> like, i was gonna say you hard. ate like macaroni and cheese yeah yeah it's hard as a, as a child and so i think now if i wanted to go back to that it'd be so much easier and i could like right. be healthy sure but like You'd eat a lot of <clears throat> avocado yeah. and hummus <laughs> yeah. and yeah exactly stuff that will actually fulfill you and give you energy <laughs> and not just be like empty carbs <laughs> I, I was like slightly anemic in high school of course you were <laughs> That's Not so funny, though, crazy. that, like, you're in Spain and you're like, God, I just feel so good. Ugh, I don't know. I have energy. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Man. I didn't even feel jet lag because I had protein. <laughs> For the first time since I was a literal child. Oh, my gosh. Your poor parents. <laughs> I know. I know. That's, like, why we're here. You're, like, yeah. realizing what you put your mom yeah. through. Like, oof. <laughs> oof. It's hilarious. Uh, so, oh would she make you a lot of like meatless sauces and like uh, things like that? You know, and it, this goes back to your question too about like when did you start getting interested in your my mom's cooking and like learning how she was making things. She would make her spaghetti gravy, which has so much meat in it. It's like pork and beef, and she would tell me that she made a, a meatless <laughs> version for me. And retrospectively, I'm like. No, 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 she didn't. <laughs> uh, no, no. Yes. <laughs> that was absolutely not. Oh, so bless like, I, her. I was eating some stuff here and yeah. there, and I think she'd sneak it in. Uh, that's so funny. Which I think is <laughs> hilarious. But uh, she was, like, pretty supportive of it, and um, she actually became a vegetarian with me after a few years. Um, I think it was part that she is such an animal lover like me, but also partly because she was being so good and helpful with me and, like, making me... She was already options. doing it. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, yeah. That's really wonderful. Has she, is she still a vegetarian? Did she go back to? She's gone back to. Um, <coughs> I think after I s- stopped being a vegetarian, she kind of. She was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> this is over. <laughs> go back now. So, yeah. My mom would. Uh, my mom makes really good spaghetti sauce. I'm sure it's like totally different and in a, in a different league from yours, yeah. uh, from the gravy. But she does like make uh, very good spaghetti sauce. And she would, I can't stand green peppers. It is like the <laughs> one your food. It's your piece. It is. And I'll still, if it's on pizza, I will eat it. If it's, you know, in a sauce or whatever, I'll still eat it. I'm not going to sit there and be like, no. But I just think the flavor of it infiltrates every part of the dish that it's in, and I hate it. It makes me so mad. Uh, and my mom did start making me a little like side pot of spaghetti sauce oh. with. I think she did it with no vegetables, because I think as a younger person, I was like, yeah, I just don't like those like, you know, the onions and peppers. And now I can tell that it's just really the pepper, yep. and. Uh, but before that, a lo- for a long time, I would just eat like noodles with no sauce because I didn't <laughs> like the peppers. Yeah. And then at some point I was like, wait, but I like the sauce. Yeah. <laughs> that's not the problem. <laughs> the problem is these pesky little peppers. Yeah. So that's my thing where I draw the line and the thing where my mom yeah. absolutely accommodated it. But part of it was because it got me to go from eating just buttered noodles. Yeah. <laughs> Like, let's get her some sort of vitamins <laughs> from the tomatoes. eating, like, a yeah. meat sauce. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Man, kids are the worst. <laughs> For real. Kids are terrible. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, I think the biggest thing I realized where that's concerned is that parents, especially new ones, but really just parents in general, do not specifically know what they are doing. Yeah. Like, when you're a kid, you're just like, ugh. Gosh, my parents are so lame. Like, why do they want me to do all this stuff? And it's just because they're trying so hard to figure out how to parent you well. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, absolutely. And they're putting up with your your bullshit. Like, yes, your, um, not wanting to eat the green peppers and the spaghetti sauce that she's been hours to make, or exactly. not eating the turkey on Thanksgiving, even though it's twenty five pounds and costs a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. God. Were there any traditionally Irish dishes on your uh, mom's or your dad's mom's side? Yeah. Um, you know, there are a few dishes that kind of like stick out. Um, and I think that after I finish kind of like cataloging all my mom's favorite stuff, I'll move over to that side of the family. Nice. Um, there's like my grandma's soda bread. That's oh, like yes. a classic. Love a good soda uh, bread. It's so good. Um, and I... I We'll say that like raisins aren't my favorite Mm -hmm. and raisins are obviously a staple in many versions of soda bread. Um, And so that was always like an exception. Like I'll eat the the raisins and the soda bread. (laughs) So I think like I'll I'll move on. Honestly, my goal is to just kind of like take some time and to really like write these recipes down, but also try them myself and make sure I understand Mm -hmm. what I'm writing down. And so like that's why I've been making so many cookies lately because I'm like trying to get these specific recipes down um and just like going through an absurd amount of butter i mean the the purse the cashier at the grocery store by my house has seen me buy like so much butter in the past like three weeks and like Are you okay I'm like, yeah, just like baking a lot so when i bought the ingredients for those m&m's cookies i realized that like all of the ingredients were on sale and i was like oh just because they stocked so much because 
everyone is baking for the holidays. Yeah. Like it was like the flour, the shortening, like everything. Yeah. And I was like, huh, so that's how grocery stores work. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> they actually have limited quantities of things. <laughs> so good. So good. So are there things where um you are like in the kitchen with your mom and she's like uh do you ever get into conflict like there are times where she's like maria you're not listening (laughs) or uh you know now don't if you do this i'll disown you or whatever it is (laughs) well if you call gravy marinara sauce obviously (laughs) right strike one the most basic of conflicts (laughs) (laughs) the biggest one um I would say not anymore. I think now I've adopted more of a mentality of just like passively learning mm-hmm. and, and as opposed to like, you know, arguing with her in any way. Um, uh, like two, three weekends ago, it was my sister and my brother-in-law and, and me in my mom's kitchen learning how to make her gravy. And that was more fun than anything. Like, n- you know, no one's really going to argue about how much onion powder my mom tells you to put in her sauce, right? It's just, and I think that's, I honestly think that's why I, I enjoy cooking so much. And I'm, en- and I'm enjoying the side project is because it's like the, the equalizer, you know, like you can argue about everything else any other time, but if you're in the kitchen, you're not going to be <laughs> arguing about food. It's like, that's, that's the one thing that's like always like a safe space. And I think that, and you know, it's, it's, it's just, I think something that more people should do is, you know, have that environment where you're like doing something truly joyful and very delightful. And again, another reason why I want to talk about it, because it's like, there are a lot of, you know, anxieties going on and, and things like that. And kind of like having time to recharge, um, and then eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's funny, you know, there, uh, there really is a huge difference in American culture in the the lack of a specific, um, you know, unifying uh, food culture uh, because you have things like, uh, you know, in Spain, they eat dinner like super late, Very late right? Yeah, like 10 o'clock. Right. And uh, in, uh, but in the U.S., so much of our eating has become structured by our workday. Yeah. And because of that, it really takes away a lot of the uh, food culture here because uh, we just go home and are, like, starving because we just got home from work and we just make something quickly or eat something quickly or, like, you know, get takeout or whatever it is. Yeah. And then to be like kind of blessed with this experience of like uh so much like consideration going into the gravy yeah, yeah. <laughs> is so much more like unifying and cultural and not just like well I'm gonna take this thing out of the freezer right. and set the oven at 450 right. and heat it up right it's like it's setting time aside in your day I think that's something that like everyone does in some way shape or form whether it's like exercising or like doing a podcast like finding something that you um that like brings you joy and kind of gives you a break from your like day-to-day is something that you know you 
you try you try to figure out as you become an adult like what that thing is going to be for you and I'm still very young and I'm still trying to figure out what that is and I think that this is the one thing where it's like it's not easy to do but like it's one of those things where if you practice it yeah you can figure it out for and sure it's also one of those things that's like deeply rewarding so you get to eat yes you get to eat it right after so true and so I think that's another important important aspect of it yeah I think I definitely went through some of those things in my first couple of years after graduating from college. And then I've kind of had this like renewed aspect of it with my fiance and like watching him figuring out cooking mm-hmm. has been really delightful for me mm-hmm. just because it is, that's absolutely what it is, is he's like, oh, I made a thing and it tastes amazing. Like yeah. it's like this wonderful specific sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And of course you get, like you were saying, your eggnog story at the uh, Cards Christmas party, right? Like mm-hmm. when people enjoy it, it's like this validation where you're like, yeah. For sure. For yeah. sure. Uh, are there anything um, that comes along uh, with your mom where she gets like, uh, I guess, what is her nature surrounding her cooking? Like, does she get, obviously she's protective of it, yeah. <laughs> but does she get like, Are there ever times where she's like, I messed up this part or, um, you know, uh, we'll take this dish, but not this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think that's one of my favorite parts, too, is that like even when we were making these cookies last night, um, we had yellow sprinkles, but we didn't have (laughs) the other color sprinkles. Right. Right. Yeah. And so she was like, oh, I'm so upset. Like, (laughs) you can't use the yellow sprinkles for the pastina cookies. Like, it doesn't look right. Uh, but you just kind of like roll with it. Mm-hmm. And then this is the first time we've made this recipe in a while. Um, so they didn't really turn out. The first batch didn't really turn out as well as we thought they were. But um, I, it's also like not a wasteful household. Like if it's if it doesn't come out right, like you're still, you're still eating it. Eat like it. You're not going to we're not going to throw that away. Yeah. Um, so I think that's fun, too. And, um, you know, my dad likes to grill a lot, too. And so like if a chicken comes out burnt, you know, <laughs> still gonna eat it right right (laughs) it's still happening and i'm sure there's so much more understanding from you and your sister yeah uh than there may have been when you were younger oh yeah just like mom it doesn't matter like oh yeah i would have fucked this up way harder (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly i also grew up in a household with uh we always had a dog oh yeah and so just like i was always slipping stuff under the table that i didn't want which like sounds like a sitcom but it's definitely real that life. is definitely real yeah I hot agree. tip for like any child that is like have a dog that will eat anything <laughs> here you go <laughs> Ugh. dog sick later oops have you ever gotten good stories out of your mom about her mom um absolutely um uh one thing that always comes to mind uh, which is kind of like me giving food to the dog is my mom I forget what she hated green beans or something like that her taste obviously changed or evolved as she became an adult but she used to hide um uh vegetables behind the stove (gasps) and uh like really collected them there to the point where when the stove eventually broke and they had to get a new one and the repair people came and took the the stove out of <laughs> the kitchen all of there's like pile of vegetables just like cascaded onto the floor and they're like rotten oh. and obviously like they smell at this point and they're like oh my <laughs> and I'm getting trouble that's, I think that's hilarious. so good I think that's so good and yeah. uh, her dad um, 
he was very particular with their their kitchen. I don't think he cooked that much, but he very much liked like order. Mm-hmm. And uh, he used to alphabetize all of their spices and their like canned food. It was alphabetized in specific orders. And so you go to my mom's kitchen, everything's all over the place. <laughs> you cannot find anything. And it's a direct response, I think. Of because, course it is. Oh, yeah. Of course it is. All right, dead. <laughs> we'll see. Can you imagine being like 12 years old and having to alphabetize the spice rack? I, my mouth was agape and head shaking <laughs> during that whole yeah. discussion. Description. That sounds mind-boggling. Yeah, to to alphabetize your spices and your canned goods, like yeah, everything, <sighs> everything. My dad recently made my parents' main pantry into instead of just like opening the doors and there being a bunch of shelves, he turned all the shelves into rolling drawers. And when I saw it, it I was like. This would have changed my whole childhood. (laughs) (laughs) Everything would have been so much easier. We could have eaten the things that were at the back of the shelves. Like, it was so. (laughs) And not forget about them until they are expired for seven years. Exactly. Or, like, bought another one because we thought we didn't have any when there were actually three at the back of this thing. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, wow, this. Mm-hmm. This cabinet's a real game changer. Like oh it was God, just yeah. like such a simple dumb <laughs> thing. <laughs> but it like means a lot, right? When you're growing up, yeah, you for know. Sure. Um, my mom's uh, brand loyalties to specific brands regarding like uh, like what tomato tomatoes. sauce or tomatoes yes. she'll use is so strong. Oh, I love this, and I can't. I have like the image in my head. Like if you stuck me in any grocery store, I'd be able to pick it out what yes. the label looks like. Um, like a yellow label with yeah. red writing. Yeah, exactly. That's the one, and I can't remember what the name is. <laughs> That's the one we get uh, to, and I don't know. Oh, she has such strong, and even like with her ricotta cheese. Oh yeah, too, she has like very specific in like specific delis that she's gone to her whole life, and you can walk in and you'll know the guy behind the counter oh. and that kind of thing. Do they specifically? Does she go to like an Italian uh, deli? Oh. Yeah, um, it's actually the greatest little Italian deli. It's in the northwest suburbs. It's called Franco's. Um, they've opened up a few others around the area, but like it is, they have the best everything you could ever want there. And it's just like Italian food. I had never been to a place like that until I went to uh, Graziano's in the West Loop. Yeah. Uh, and first I, you know, just had their one of their subs and it's incredible. Like they get bread from this Italian bakery. Yeah. And they have like fresh mozzarella mm-hmm. and like fresh prosciutto. And Ooh. it's so good. And you just don't realize how much better those kinds of yeah. foods can be if you really seek out like a high quality version yeah. of it. But they have these um, just like barrels of like spices and grains and you can buy cannolis from them. Ooh. And like I, and it's run by this like precious little Italian family. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they know exactly who my boss is because he goes there all the time. That's so cute. Yeah. yeah. That's so cute. It's Finding awesome. a place like that is honestly my goal in Chicago. Cause when I go home, I have that place, mm-hmm. but I, I like need to find somewhere here that I can feel that way with. It's definitely a very, wonderful feeling i used to have that <laughs> rapport with the demos in wrigleyville <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh wait, I remember this story a little bit. You were on a you were on a first name basis with the I was folks at Demo and yeah, Demos and Wrigley. Uh huh. Yeah, I think the story that I told you guys was that I um helped them uh or I asked them if I could make my friend the Christopher of the month, <laughs> the customer of the month, the customer of the month. Yes, which is. A customer of the month. Yes, it's just, uh, so they just God. threw an R in there. <laughs> it is genius. It's so good. Uh, and they let me. But yeah, I used to get like free slices. Like they just loved me. I would just, well, part of it was I would walk in and be like, what's your best slice right now? Like I would eat anything. I would just like take their recommendation. And almost every time it was incredible. And it was probably something I wouldn't have chosen on my own. Yeah. And they get pretty crazy at Zemos too with. I, and stuff. My favorite slice from there is uh, they made it with elotes, the Ooh. like Mexican corn. Yep. Have you ever had it? Oh, yeah. I've never had that pizza, actually, oh, at Demos. fantastic. It has like poblanos and, you know, whatever this like cream, you know, kind of sauce that they put on top of elotes when they serve it. Oh, it's so good. And it was one of those things where the guy just like recommended it. And I was like, whoa, this like weird corn thing. And he was like, yeah, trust me. And every single time I went in that they had it, I would be like, yes, this please. So good. Yeah. And like I eat meat, you know, all the time. I love pepperoni pizza, but that elote slice is like the best thing. And it's just because I was like... Yeah, I trust you. Like, yeah. tell me what I should eat. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. There's no meat on the pizza with the elotes? Mm-mm. Yeah. I think it's a, a... I mean, me and my friend Scott, who was a vegetarian, who I recommended be the, customer, the customer of the month, month. Uh, like, bonded over it. Because cause he was like, oh, yeah, it's like maybe, you know, one of my favorite slices of pizza ever because it's like hard for vegetarians to find really good slices yeah. because so many things are meat-centric. Yeah. 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 Oh, so good. And it's so like, it's not, you know, just like a classic margarita or whatever. Right. It's not your your basic pizza. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Does your family make pizza? Um, We have in the past. Um, uh, My favorite way to make pizza actually is to grill it. Ooh. Uh, which is like a weird spin that not a lot of people think about. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we, we do make pizza, but not as, we don't like make the dough ourselves. Like, gotcha. my mom's realm is more of like the lasagna and the stuffed peppers and like Ooh, yes. that kind of thing. And then, you know, the pizza, it's like, we'll order from Domino's. <laughs> That's <laughs> <it's> nice. <laughs> that it can't, yeah. It's fine. I, at some point, those kinds of things are just going to become yeah. like, overwhelming mm-hmm. and like limiting mm-hmm. you know uh, if every time uh you know an italian american family wanted to just like order a pizza yeah. <laughs> it had to be this whole thing Mm-mm. you would all be exhausted <laughs> be way too much yeah. way too much that's yeah. amazing yeah um is there anything specifically that you uh, would feel remiss to not talk about? Are there things that you have jotted down that we haven't um, naturally covered? Oh, yeah. I have one more. I have another story that's not about an Italian uh, cooking tradition. But my, my roommate and my, my best dear friend um, got her recently got her grandmother's tamale recipe, <gasps> which... Um, was honestly the most fun I've ever had cooking before because oh. making tamales is such a... Have you ever made them before? No. Uh-uh. Okay. It is such a... But you've eaten them. Yes. I had only ever had tamales like 
from the guy who brings them in coolers to bars. Oh, hell yeah. Those are the best. Which is, they're so good, and they always come at the perfect time of the night. Mm -hmm. He's like this, if you're not from Chicago, there's like, there's one man who I know has done the most of them, but I'm sure there are like Mm -hmm. more than one person who does this, but they'll just like bring a cooler of homemade tamales into bars that allow, you know, outside food and just sell them to people like five for a bag and people lose their minds for them because they're, the they're so good. Ugh. They're so good. And then recently, uh, when I actually earlier this year, when I went on the Joko cruise oh, uh, nice. uh, v- as hired by cards, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, on one of the stops, Max uh, booked us all this taco walking tour. Oh my and gosh. Everything we ate was so good. <gasps> and one of the things we ate was tamales, and they weren't in corn husks. They were in banana leaves. Ooh. And somehow, like, I guess because the leaves are like thicker, they were easily the best tamales I've ever oh. eaten. They were absolutely incredible i was like i didn't know that i already liked tamales to begin (laughs) with and like i didn't know it could be this good yeah so sorry but yes (laughs) i have had tamale that's my entire tamale experience (laughs) summarize i love it i would have to mention the banana leaf situation (laughs) yeah yeah i i think you can get stuff like that but it was like inside of it it was just like oilier and like (laughs) uh it was just a way different cooking medium yeah Noted. Um, so we use like regular corn husks. Sure. But, um, the reason why I loved making tamales with Andrea was because um, it's such like a team effort. Like everyone had a had a job. There was like a group of five people over, and she was just like controlling the room. She's like, I "Okay, you're doing this with the masa. You're putting them in the in the steamer. You're doing this with what." Um. So the so, masa. The masa. Okay. Um. It's the so you know like the the part of the tamale that like holds the meat or the peppers yeah. or whatever it's mm-hmm. like that corn mm-hmm. it's like a thick kind of like homily or like grits or yeah, something like it's, that it's kind of like that and you like spread it on i also have not made this many times but i've watched my roommate do it she'll spread the um the masa on the husk and then fill it with the ingredients and then you wrap it up do you have to make him make the masa as well or um, she bought it from the store and her grandmother was very upset. <laughs> She's like, that's, that's like me calling, uh, gravy marinara sauce. It's, it was like the thing she wasn't supposed right. to do, but she got the masa recipe and she was like, hell no, this is oh so much work. Gosh. So we bought it. Um, and she, she like, you know, got in trouble for it, but oh, it still tasted bless. great. We of like made everything it did. else. Yeah. But. And it's like, it's also just so, you know, unfathomable to be like, you had five people making all these things where you had to like spread out the masa, put the stuff in the middle and roll them all up just right and bake them just right. But also there could have been this whole other thing that you had to do. I know. And that's what she was saying too. She was like, if we would have made it, we would have needed like eight more hours and like, which would have been fun. But yeah, maybe maybe we'll do that. (laughs) Another day. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's the other thing too, is just that like, it's fun getting these traditions from like your mom, but then like getting them from friends and other people too is like beautiful and and really great. Yeah. There are so many of my friends now who know about my dad's mom's eggnog recipe or Mm -hmm. like, I think technically it was my Nana's, my great grandmother's, I think. Uh, But, but because I made it, you know, two or three times and uh, shared it around and, like, had people over. It's, like, 
now people know this like really intimate detail from like <laughs> my family's holiday gatherings. Yeah. That's very, and, very beautiful. Like one year, I think one of my Christmas presents from either my mom or my aunt was just an egg separator. <laughs> Because the first time I made it, their eggnog, I did it by hand. Like I uh. had to like shift the the yolks back and forth until the whole egg separated. For and like a ton of eggs? It's yeah, for like a dozen for a normal sized batch, I think. Yeah, it's it takes forever. But if you have a separator, you're just cracking in there and yeah. it happens immediately. Um but uh yeah, so and and seemingly, you know, if anyone randomly got something like an egg separator <laughs> from a relative, they'd be like, what the hell? Why? But I was just like so pumped. Like, I was yes. like, yes, I needed this. This was on my list. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. And it's something that like as a young person, you would have absolutely scoffed at. Yeah. You'd just been like, no. But I don't need like, Hell yeah. Yeah. yeah egg I'd, separator. I did need an egg separator. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Um. Are there times in your life where you are struck by things that you do or say or maybe even do like kitchen related where you're like, ooh, that's my mom. Dude, every day. <laughs> every day. Are you like that? Yeah. Yeah, every single day. I wish there were more things. Like I yeah. wish I wish I were more like my mom. Oh, <laughs> I do. she's going to listen to this eventually. <laughs> eventually. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, it's true, man. I think I'm so much like my dad, which is great, too. Yeah. But like I got all my like bullheadedness from him and yeah. I wish I had more of my mom's like sense of like patience. And, yeah. But a lot of that stems from having to deal with all the bullheadedness of my dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is amazing. I'll show you yeah. a picture after this of my mom. I look identical to her. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. Mine is, a lo you look at a picture of my brother and I with our parents, and you're just like, oh, yeah, it was this person plus this person made these two people. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Simple math right there. That's it really is. It's pretty stunning. Like, you can't, you can't really pick out, like, specific we're not like a oh you have your mom's eyes but your dad's mouth like it's yeah. like you just, <laughs> just we nope. just matched them all together it's like an app did it for <laughs> yeah. you it's just like i took these two photographs photoshopped it really well yeah um do you think if you uh, i know this is like a, a big question and probably very far off uh for a person such as yourself <sighs> but do you think if you have your own family there will be times, do you think you'll try to kind of like instill more of a love of this stuff? Or do you think you'll also just probably just let children come to it on their own? I just like hope I get a good one. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I hope like one just wants to, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel fingers like, crossed for a good one. Yeah, fingers crossed my kid doesn't suck. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just, I, I would love... You know, to have that happen organically. I know, like, whenever things are forced upon kids, they kind of push them away. Rebel against you know? it, uh, categorizing so. all the spices and such. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe one day I'll be different if I actually have a kid. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, you're going to do this, make this sauce, and you're going to like it. <laughs> do you think there are things that you've rebelled against your parents about? Oh, like, God. the organization stuff? Oh God! I, now I'm more organized. I would say. Well, yeah. yeah. I feel like this whole project—that's uh, like, what am I thinking? It's this like whole thing. Generations. It's yeah. Like organized, not organized. Yeah. Organized. Oh, 
That's wonderful. I think that's so funny. I think oh, it God. is too. Yeah, it's really funny um, to get older and kind of see which things you embrace or maybe even didn't want to yeah. be a part of your being, but end up being anyway. And You're which stuck. things you're like, no, I will be so different <laughs> in this aspect. Yep. Yep. <laughs> what yep. is your favorite meal that your mom makes? Ooh, um, fried zucchini. Ooh. Fried zucchini oh. for sure. So good. Oh, that sounds so good. Is there like a sauce too? Or you could it- you could put the the gravy on it if you wanted. So, but it's mostly just like a real thin slice. Oh mm-hmm. man. See, we are so simpatico here because uh there's a very there's a restaurant in my hometown. Um, and it is truly one of the places that when I look back on this food, I go like, no, this was very good food. Like I don't, I know it would hold up. And one of the big things, uh, is their fried squash and they, it's just a little yellow squash. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it's like similar in concept, uh, if not in execution, but they're just like completely thinly sliced, really lightly breaded and they're unreal oh so good we would order like two platters of them for like eight people (laughs) yeah so good yeah oh and it's can you like smell it now can you like yes i taste it oh yeah there's very strong smells i feel like that's my strongest sensory is like thinking back like you know you have your yellow squash mine's like my zucchini parm i can like Mm. smell it right now Mm -hmm. i can like I'm sure too that that's one of the ones that sticks with you because of the vegetarianism. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. You're like dissecting my childhood. I hadn't even even thought of that before, but yeah. Of course. Absolutely. It's completely veggie friendly. You ate it through those 10 years. I did. That was probably, you know, I and I thought the sauce didn't have meat at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely did. Gravy. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Are there things that you're grandmother made that your mom like rebels against your grandma about like ways that she specifically changed it you know i don't know i think that's a question that like i will bring up to my mom actually um for the most part she tries really hard to like get the recipes exactly as she remembers them Mm. um so kind of the opposite she kind of tries to like remember how exactly she really tries yeah but i'm sure there's got to be something yeah you know yeah that she's you know, I know for me, one of the things for me is like my mom doesn't like more foods than I that like because she doesn't like mushrooms oh, uh, for one. So like if there's anything where my mom changed it to like not include mushrooms <laughs> or if my mom made it and it wouldn't, then I might be more inclined to like yeah. add the back in. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so uh, one last uh, encompassing question. How do you feel like your love of your mom and her cooking and this whole experience thus far has influenced you uh, as a creative person and mm. kind of your life as a bigger picture? That's um, amazing, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me think about this one. Sure. Um, I feel like cataloging my mom's recipes is an excuse to talk to her about something that's important to her and important to me. And so I feel like it creates this, this happy medium where we're both always excited to talk to the other person about it. Like if I'm calling her about, you know, what, you know, what brand of tomatoes I should be buying, right? you know, that's an, that's a happy phone call. That's like an exciting thing to do. Um, so I think that like, 
cataloging these things and kind of like documenting these important recipes, I'm like documenting my relationship with my mom. And I think that means a lot to me, especially now that I'm like getting older. I'm like, I I appreciate her as a person and, you know, I really love and admire her. Um, And how that influences me as a creative person is like, don't overlook the things closest to you. Oh, you know, I love that. Like, you know, this is something that I've always wanted to do. And it's becoming an important and big and cute project for me. But it's, like, been in my life the entire time, you yeah. know? like Literally from birth, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, like, if you if you don't know... And, like, coming on the show, I was like, I don't have anything profound to say or profound to talk about. I was like, I don't know what I could... What story I would tell. And I was like, well, the story <laughs> is like, been there the whole time, yeah. which is so corny. But um, also important, too, that, like, if you if you don't know where to start, like... Look at what you already have. Oh, you know, I love that. So, oh man, what a lovely, uh, you know, way to tie this all together. And I think that is a really important message. I do think it's really easy to feel like overwhelmed or like you don't have something to say or share. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look at how many things you brought up that I was like, oh my gosh, yes, tamales. I ate them in Mexico. <laughs> like banana leaf. Yeah, it's like it's always there, you know. And yeah, I guess just like take a little life audit and see like you have a lot of stuff going on always. Just like pick what is important to you and like run with it as a creative person, you know. I think that's incredible advice and uh definitely something that we could all take to heart. <laughs> and also like call your mom. Yeah. <laughs> Text your mom. Call your mom. Uh, think about making something that your mom made cuz I agree, man. Every time I get to like ask my mom about something like that or call her or text her or whatever it is, it definitely sparks a very specific joy for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, even just like, hey, which of these recipes that aren't yours of crockpot macaroni cheese should I make? You know, <laughs> like she just rattled off like four pieces of advice for me, yeah. you know, immediately. Yeah. And they, they want to share it. Moms want to Absolutely. Share it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you. This, this has been amazing. I love talking with you. A total joy. Yay. I love you, and I mean it. Ah, oh, I love you too. Thank you. Baby, how you feeling? This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all, thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.